I'm Dr. Jill Wiener. I'm a white woman, a doctor, a meditation teacher, a tapping practitioner, a writer, and I'm an aspiring anti-racist, an identity which I must constantly strive towards, work on, and reevaluate. This podcast amplifies the powerful voices of women and men in all aspects of the anti-racist space, from healthcare to spirituality to criminal justice, to provide a nuanced, honest, and educational examination of systemic racism. geeking out big time right now because of my guest today, so I can't even think, but um, I am a white woman, obviously, who has been um, doing the internal and external work to help myself and other white people learn more about racism um, and to try to dismantle systemic racism, and I've been doing this series of interviews, and I am just super, super excited uh, to have Crystal McCreary here with me. I've been following her on Instagram forever, and um, I, it's just really funny. I'm like, I need to interview her. So Crystal is amazing. She uh, studied at Stanford. She's a, she's has training in. She's a teacher, a dancer, an actor. She has her 500 hour teacher training, uh, yoga teacher training. Uh, she's a yoga and mindfulness educator and a health educator at a private school in New York. She leads retreats. She's on the faculty of health and wellness at that school. And she's also um, on the diversity inclusion committee at the Yoga Alliance and I've so many other things. And um, anyway, Crystal, welcome. Thank you so much for, for taking time out of your time. I mean, we're, right now, just for anyone listening in the future, this is June 11th. We're in the heat of all of the, of the fallout from George Floyd and, and everything else that's been going on recently. And Crystal has been kind enough to take an hour out of her, her day to, to talk with me and to, to share her uh, thoughts on on uh, racism and spirituality, and I'm going to be quiet now. Welcome. <laughs> well, thank you, Jill. Thank you, Jill. Um, yeah, you know, it's 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 an honor to be here and and be engaging in conversations in a way that is very visible, um, and 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 sort of demonstrating how these uncomfortable conversations can be had skillfully. Mm -hmm. um, I do believe that, you know, you've already tied the, the relationship between spirituality and, and issues that are uncomfortable, like racism. Um, and I believe that spiritual practice, um, and there's a variety of them, and you can decode that word spiritual in any number of ways. And I, and I sort of encourage people, I always encourage my students um, to decode it in the way that supports them best. But I do believe these tools are the missing piece, right? In terms of like what we shift about how we actually um, dismantle and um, disarm a very, very harmful racist world that we're all tr trying to thrive in, which is not possible when it's present. So um, I'm very, you know, I'm happy to be having this conversation and I'm happy to be having it with you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, Okay, so I think I'd like to start with, let's start with your blog post that you just did. I, I think you posted uh, last week or earlier this week um, about racism and spirituality. And, and you mentioned that racism is, a, a, I'm quoting you to you. I hope that feels like kind of, <laughs> it's a social agreement designed to break us. Um, so do you want to comment on that? Yeah, you know, so racism, um, first of all, it's, it's not real, right? I mean, it, it's very real, 
because we've all agreed to participating in, in, in the way that it's constructed. Um, but it's based on a fallacy, right? It, it's based on this idea that one group of people um, has more value than another based on the color of their skin. And clearly that is absolutely ludicrous, right? Like if you are a critically thinking human being, right? And you ha have, have a brain, like if you just have a brain, you don't have to necessarily like be able to think critically. Like there is so much evidence to the contrary and we are all born. Like the difference between um, a human being with, with brown skin versus a human being, you know, who, a non-melanated human being, there, there's like the, like the tiniest little microscopic fraction of a, of a you know, bi a biological cellular difference, right? Mm -hmm. right? So it's just not true. And yet, you know, it is a way that we are all maneuvering in, in a world and it's, it's based on a hierarchy. Right. And when you consider that we are, well, racism causes harm on a emotional level, right? It, it causes harm to, you know, mental health. It causes harm to our bodies, right? As we're seeing very clearly with all, you know, the, the, just the instances of Ahmaud Arbery, um, George Floyd, Tony McDade, Breonna Taylor, just in the last few weeks and, and more because there have been more instances of race, racialized, you know, state-sanctioned racialized murder, um, that is, you know, these are all examples of it affecting literally our bodies, right? And, um, and you know, there is a dimension of us that cannot be touched, that is not physical, um, that I would say, you know, there's a spiritual dimension. You can call it your intuition, you could say it your higher power, I mean, you. Uh, again, decode the word the way you want, but when we, when our bodies pass away, right, what animated them, right, our life force is something, right, that, that's, that's beyond those sort of three categories I just named, right, that I'm going to call spiritual for our purposes, and so racism works on all those levels of us, right, and it disconnects us from the wholeness, right, the inherent wholeness that, that is our, 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 born, our inherent birthright. Um, and so when I say breaks us, literally, I mean like the individual, but it also disconnects us from each other, right? Um, is it really possible if we're all broken, right, to really connect and feel like we can love one another or be one with one another if there's always this perceived disconnect of the other human being's value, right, based on skin color, right? So it also clearly has broken, right, when you consider how our, um, uh, our systems, right, the other systems that we operate inside of, right, racism has an impact on healthcare, right? If you are a black or brown person and that has been redlined and the access that you have to basic human resources, you know, is not available or you are someone who's, you know, dependent on the, you know, welfare system or you are someone who's, you know, stuck in an education system that is not, you know, doesn't, is not fully resourced, right? These are, these are all resources that we require as human beings, but based on the color of your skin, where you live, you know, 
the variety of factors that in, you know impact a person's lived experience you know based on race right you can be completely disconnected from your what your whole your wholeness what what you require to be a whole human being needs mm -hmm. and that that's what i mean when i say it's designed it's designed to break us right it literally fragments our ability to connect with ourselves with others and frankly with, with what's happening around us right um and so you know one of the the you know we one of the things you mentioned just before we started was you know an experience that i think many people who operate in spiritual you know settings have have observed which is you know many spiritual settings kind of have this baseline understanding this foundational um you know sort of tenant belief that we are all one mm -hmm. right and and we are you know it's like when we were little the delight we came we brought we brought to everything like you know the way that the world was full of wonder right like that sense that like i'm perfect it's all good let's play let's have fun like we we have that wiring in us and over time, the older we get, the more we operate inside these systems, the more we are told and we, are, we absorb these ideas of like, <coughs> this person has more value than that person, and this experience is better than that, and if you don't have this, then you're not worthy, or you're less valuable, right? All of those things are like practical, temporal, experiential, real, they're part of our reality, right? And yes, while we might be one, Right, we, we definitely have this capacity to like connect with that part of ourselves that's like super, super untainted, <laughs> for lack of a better way of expressing it. We, by only focusing on that part of ourselves, we are denying the actual lived reality. Right, we call this spiritual bypassing. Right, we're 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 denying. The fact that yes, we might be spiritual beings, but we're having a human experience. And this human experience has been designed by other humans who didn't necessarily design it very skillfully. And they and they didn't, you know, ensure that the way that we're organized is around principles that support life, love, right? That actually support oneness. If we did, right, if we lived in a um, human positive or a like uh, if, if we were organized around principles like yeah life instead of let's say capital right or race then yeah you know we might actually just be able to all sit around the yoga studio in a circle and meditate and it'd be all good but we don't live inside that world right we actually live in a world with a lot of agreements that are in place that make it really hard for most people to actually feel like they're one and, and, and move through the world with that, um, directed by that principle of oneness. That's, that's so beautiful. And, and the spiritual bypassing, I mean, we, we were talking about this before we started recording in my own community, I've found myself quite frustrated by older white men leading my, as often happens in a spiritual movement, um, or spiritual community. And talking about these things, but not, not at all acknowledging, like talking in flowery language about what to do with anger and what to do with like perceived helplessness and perceived this and perceived that. And I'm like, are you, who are you talking to here? Are you talking to the ignorant white people or are you talking to the, the people of color who are like, 
I, I can't tell who you're, who you're suggesting needs to get a, sen- a, be- a sense of the impermanence of all of it. And I want to be able to tell explicitly who you're talking to and let's get more concrete about it and not, not bypass it and deny and not deny what's actually happening. And I just find myself so frustrated and feeling like I'm not serving the people I'm supposed to be serving. I'm not doing anyone any favors. Yeah. So, you know, the question for me, you know, in light of what you just said is, you know, what makes it hard for these white men these who are leaders and you know facilitators of these practices why is it that they can't see what they're the 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 um the harm that suggesting that that ability or that capacity to people who are not like them right to women or to you know black and brown people or you know disabled people you know or mentally um, uh, people with mental illness or trans bodies and, you know, populations. Like, why do you think they can't? That's the question. It's like, why can't they see why that's not relevant to those people? Right. And the answer has to do with the fact that, again, it's about this hierarchy, right? This racial hierarchy. And they're at the top or, or they're at the center, Right, and their experience and their worldview and their perception of reality is always centered, right? And so their ability, it's like we can't, you know, we can't change what we can't see. But guess what? If you don't change where you stand along the circle, if you don't put someone else in the center or put someone else on the top, you can't see, right? It's impossible to change, right? And so the fact that we don't as a larger society demand and hold accountable the fact that you know everybody's experience has value and we need to center and bring the the perceptions and the experiences of people who have been on the margins outside the circle even right into the center you know and and what would that look like Mm -hmm. you know what would it look like for you know i just had an experience recently where you know, one of my colleagues who invited me to be a part of um, a, like a, a training, a mindfulness training for educators, um, you know, he was very alarmed when he was approached to be a part of this because as a white male, you know, he, he, he was looking at the other facilitators who was part of this program and he's like, oh my God, this is all white men teaching mindfulness to educators, most of whom are women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who are going to go out into, you know, public school settings, not teaching, you know, uh, white children. So, you know, he was like, this is a problem that the only people who will be visible as the experts of this mindfulness practice are white men, right? And so he, he said that to the, you know, the, the people who were, you know, ad- administratively in, you know, in control of this course. And he said, he gave him a list of people he wanted. He said, I really, you know, I worked with this woman, Crystal, and she's wonderful. And I, we, we've done this before together. I would really like to, her to be here, but, but I want you to know it's a problem that, you know, you're not, it's, it, it hasn't occurred to you to bring in other voices. There are lots of people who are, you know, facilitating these practices. And it's important to get the, the lens of experience from a variety of, you know, diverse mindfulness professionals. And, um, You know, he said that to this man and, you know, the man, like, it's like, he couldn't even process it. Right. It's the same thing that you're saying. It's like, he couldn't really get, he's like, well, 
what's the difference? Like, I have all these great people. They, they're experts at what they do. It's like, it's like, so it's again, like there's this, so I, I had that experience personally, you know, recently where, you know, it's just the not being able to see, right? And so in order to see, we do need to make active choices about doing things differently. Intentional, conscious, mindful choices when we do things differently. You know, and it's hard, again, you know, it's, this is why, you know, corporate boards and like, you know, you know, the, 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 the leadership in, you know, all kinds of organizations, right, need to have diverse representation so that there are lots of voices in the room and not just in the room, but like they're being included in like, what does our programming look like? What are our, what structures do we have in place? Who are we, you know, who is the population that we're going to serve and what are their needs, right? So that there's, a, there's multiple lenses supporting, you know, a more, um, instead of a hierarchical, right, sort of way of discussing and being around these, these topics, it, there's more of a, it's a circle and we're kind of all, you know, we're all contributing and we can have one person highlighted in the center and then bring in the next person. And it, you know, it doesn't always have to be the same person, the yeah. same sort of white male, Western, cis <laughs> normative right. viewpoint. Yeah. And in my spiritual community, it's the, all of those things, plus the one who marries young women and has many children with them and oh. all the things. Yeah. Listen, listen. Yeah. So yes. All of it is so, so, okay. I have so many things I want to ask you about. I want to talk about the whiteness of yoga, maybe like how it's been. So it obviously comes from India. Mm-hmm. It has sort of, I am not an originator of yoga in America, you know, like I'm, I'm a late, you know, I, I can't con- claim any originality in terms of yoga at, at all, but what, what has your experience been as a black woman in the yoga space? Um, in your training, um, in your getting yourself out there to the world, how, what are some, cause I'll give an example of my yoga studio that I love had a, um, and this just kills me to even talk about a, a sign for a hip hop yoga class. All the teachers there are white, 95% of the people who practice there are white. And it was a picture of two, the two white teachers wearing sunglasses and like standing like that back to back. Ooh. And I saw it, I saw it, I saw it, and I was like, I don't like this, like, I don't like this. And I spoke up one of the teachers at the desk, and I said, I, I don't like it. It's like appropriation, it's bad. And she was like, I know, I know. She goes, but I'm not going to say anything to the owner. And I was like, okay. And I walked away. And then I was like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. And then I like came back. You know, it's this like happy white space, but then there's all this stuff underneath it that's ugly. And I spoke up and I had to go speak up again to be heard. And I don't even know if anything was passed on. And I don't even know why I didn't email the owner directly, except I don't have her email and I probably should have. And you know, but it's just something now that I'm looking back on. Through the lens of that story or your own experiences, like tell tell me what that's been. Well, I think that's an important thing to, to have mentioned as a white woman who's in mostly white yoga spaces. Uh um, Because I think you know, when people don't speak up about those things, right, you, then you become complicit in the, the perpetuation of more racism and more racist violence, right? Um, these weapons of race, this is, a, this is an example of a weapon of racism, 
Yeah. Right. And it, it's like not necessarily like physical violence, but it is right. And so in that instance, like that's, that's where your, you can play the role of an ally and explain why that upset you. And the thing is like, here's the thing about most white people who are well-meaning and understand that there's a thing called racism and that it's at work is that like, you know, they, they have these gut instincts, right? That like, mm, something's not right. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, the prospect of getting, having to be uncomfortable, have an uncomfortable conversation or maybe hurt someone's feelings or make someone else uncomfortable, you know, is like, oh, let me back away. I don't know how to, you know, I don't want to do that, right? And so here's, here's the thing about spiritual work, right? It's like, that's where you draw on your practice, you know, especially yoga, right? Because yoga teaches us how to hold the tension of the discomfort, yeah. right? When you're in warrior two for 10 breaths or whatever it is, and your, th your thigh is burning, <laughs> that's that's you growing your capacity for discomfort and what does your teacher tell you when you're in that warrior two for five breaths eight breaths ten breaths on a day you just took a run and your thighs were burning before you even got into the class or whatever it was like the yoga teacher saying breathe mm -hmm. focus on your breath soften your gaze right the yoga teacher is giving you the tools to help you hold the discomfort so if you are a well-meaning white yoga person and your studio is appropriating, you know, yoga and all the other things, appropriating black culture, you know, like hip hop and black music and, uh, you know, in yoga itself from India. If your instinct is, I need to, I need to say something about this. Because the thing is, you know, people who are impacted m most directly by racism didn't create it, right? So if we're going to really dismantle it, it's yeah. got to come from white people, right? I mean, because you, because also because you benefit from it in a way that, like, if y'all aren't dismantling, it ain't gonna get dismantled, yeah. right? Because you know, we 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 live in a culture that's like all about comfort and all about pleasure, and and we don't we lack the tools for like how to be with the other part of life, which is a very real part of life. Like we're deluding ourselves to think that like life is not about life should only be about you know, the good stuff. No, life is, you know, it's a problem when we don't have the tools to manage these moments. But as, as, as a yoga person, you're getting those tools. And that's the point, right? It's not just about being able to do warrior two for 10 breaths if you have to. It's literally about like, how do I bring this skill into my life and how I act and how I speak with others? So, you know, that is the union right? Yoga means to yoke, to bring together, to unify, to connect. That is how you connect this incredibly empowering, embodied, you know, emotionally um, supportive, mentally supportive, spiritually supportive practice into your practical lived life. That is the point of yoga. And it's just like, for me, it's like, oh my God, why are all these people not getting it? But like, that's the moment, right? And that's the charge. That's what I'm charging all my quote unquote white allies, you know, all my quote unquote liberal progressive, you know, anti-racist white friends and colleagues and all the other folks, whatever. But I, that's the charge, right? Cause we brown people, black people, we've been screaming this stuff from the rooftops for hundreds of years, you know, and, and, and there has not been a lot of listening, hence the uprisings that we're seeing right now all over the world.
So it, you know, that's, that's your job. Like that is your job, you know, particularly if you think that you are, I mean, if you're trying to embody a practice, otherwise the practice is just performative. It's just masturbation, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and it's, for me, like I'm really passionate about this because I do feel like this is the, a golden opportunity for people who've been practicing these practices to literally just, oh my gosh, like make the connection. This is not just about my yoga mat or my meditation cushion. This is about how I live in the world, how I connect in the world, how I con connect myself to everyone in my community. Not just people in my community who already think like me and talk like me and dress like me and, and eat the same food I eat. No, no, no. It's how we connect with everybody, yeah. right? Everybody. It's, it's so, and I, it's my, my work in this anti-racist space is that work. It's, it's the like, I have a, a, a curriculum. It's like, how to identify, how to feel in your body, how to feel negative things in your body. And then how to like learning about symptoms of white supremacy culture and then recognizing how those make you feel and the defensiveness. And I still, and I've done so much work and using tapping and using, you know, all these different things. And I still effing had to tell this woman twice because I, and this was at least six months ago that this happened, which is a, a spark of a time mm -hmm. in the big picture, obviously. Like it's just because it was six months ago and it wasn't yesterday doesn't make me any less complicit. But it's like, I know those things and it's still so freaking hard to, to do because I knew the woman behind the desk. And it's like, like seeing that and knowing that that's so ridiculous and so looking back, I mean, I'm, I'm writing about it now, this and it came up to me and I was like, how, do, how did I just say, okay, and walk away? Like how in any world was that? Okay. It's obviously not, but it just, and, and, and getting, trying to get white people to engage in the work that I'm doing as the person who understands the bigger concept, it's it, trying to embody that over and over again is challenging. Exhausting. Uh -huh. Exhausting. Yeah. yeah. Welcome oh, to yeah. the world. Welcome yeah. to the world. If it's exhausting for you, imagine living in the skin, of a, 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 a body with different colored skin, right? Yeah. And, so, and here's the thing. That's what white supremacy robs y'all of, right? White people of. It robs you of connecting with your deepest mm -hmm. capacity for resilience. If it's some, if, if shying away from a conversation is a, like a, a uncomfortable conversation is the thing that makes you, you know, go like, ooh, good luck, good luck. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? But here, but like, that to me is like kind of, I, I mean, if I'm really honest, like, I feel like it's a little pathetic, right? Because it's like, we, there's so much capacity for all of us, right? To, to have, we have, we're so strong. We have, we have the, the capacity for being, having courageous conversations. You know, and, and, you know, the thing about resiliency is that you don't build it if you don't face adversity, right? So, you know, you know, one of my favorite poems is that Maya Angelou poem, you know, you know, and still I rise, right? It's like, look at, look at this popular, look at our world population. You look at like, you know, atrocities committed against black and brown people. How it's like, we're, and we're still moving and shaking and we're still living our best lives or, or aiming to. Right, we still have these extraordinary examples of 
not even resiliency, right? Post-traumatic growth, right? People who excelled beyond their initial capacity because they were actually strengthened, right? Um, by that experience of, of adversity. So you, you, you miss an opportunity to actually grow into your fullest potential as a human being. That's what white supremacy robs y'all of, right? Mm -hmm. So get, get up on it, like just do it. And you know, the other thing is, you know, there's, I can't remember who said it first cause I've, I've heard it a few times now, but one of my favorite reminders, right? Uh, uh, connected to this is when you lean into your discomfort, you're creating a space for someone to have more ease, right? So if you consider the suffering, the collective mm -hmm. suffering of, you know, black and brown people, black, brown, indigenous people, right? Um, every time a, a white person who is, who's had the privilege of comfort and access that we haven't had, every time you step into that discomfort, you're literally creating space and breath for one of us to breathe and to feel comfort. Because I'm gonna tell you, you know, for, the, for us, we, we're living in, a, you know, in like a state of some degree of like, um, you know, low grade, to high grade anxiety every moment of every day. Right? We don't have the privilege of comfort when we're, we're trying to figure out how to operate in this, in this system of racism, where every you know, step we take, it's like, oh, there's racism again, there's racism. We don't get to check out, <laughs> ever, right? So like, to, for me, it's like, get it together, like figure it out. Like that's, that's, that's what I have to say about that. Mm -hmm. Like, that, cause that ain't, that ain't good enough. You know, and the thing too is like, again, Y'all are missing out. You're not connected to your wholeness either. You're not whole. And like, and, and you know, if we're really honest, and this is where the, again, the practice, meditation, yoga, right? The, the mindful awareness. When you really sit with yourself in those quiet moments, your, the reality of your experience makes itself very well known. And when you get in that quiet space, you will hear and feel and know that your wholeness is connected to our wholeness. If we are not well, you're not either, right? So it's like, you know, this, this, this imagine if we all felt whole, right? And the thing about this world that we're in, again, it's Western, <laughs> of world we're organized around capital and and material things like it's easy to convince yourself i'm good i've, I've checked all the boxes i got i you know i have a, I have an, i'm middle class i got two and a half kids i got a house i got i got a husband I, you know i got all the things and so i'm happy i'm good and you know are you know are you are you really good if every time something uncomfortable like the news comes on and shows yet another black man getting killed by the police. Like, and you can't, you, you don't, you can't even, you can, can't stand it. We even watch it. So you turn, like you, that's, that's you having to live with your incompleteness, you know, and, 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 and there's like, yeah, you can try to deny it, deny it. But like, 
when we sit, when we get in those really quiet spaces with ourselves, you know what happens when you meditate? All, all the stuff that you, you've been resisting or pushing down or that hasn't been addressed, it rises to the top, you know? And it's only when you allow it to rise that you can meet it and take care of it and heal it and, 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 and release it and truly become free and whole. And when you're really free and whole, you know what you want most? You want everybody else to be free and whole. Cause it ain't fun on the top if everybody else can't be there to play and party with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing. It's like, you know, when I'm feeling good, like I want to share with everybody. <laughs> when I was a kid, my dad, like I was, you know, I would always read books or do things, you know, that were like, anytime I did something that really lit me up, you know, I would just run around and be like, oh my God, I gotta share this with Melissa. Oh, you know, I gotta share this with Krishan. Like, you, you know, everybody, you know, I just wanted to share with everybody, right? Because it's like, that's, that's the spirit. That's, that's how you know that you are connecting to your own liberation, right? Because you recognize, I'm not actually free unless we're all free. Let's give it, you know, let, and the funny thing is my dad's response to that was always, sit your butt down, read the book, and just, he'd be like, you know, embody the book, be the book. Yeah. Be all the things the book said. And he was like, then you won't have to sell it to your friends. You won't have to like convince them to get it. Like just, they will be like, what are you up to? You know, and, and, and that's, you know what that's like. Those people who are just radiant and, you know, who are, who are inspiring and, and that are connected to something, right? They usually, one, have spiritual practice, right? And that spiritual practice connects them to something like when I say spiritual, in this case, I'm thinking like an embodied, right, or contemplative exploration, right? And all the great leaders and teachers, particularly of, of movements, right, that, that have shifted our world had a contemplative practice, a deeply contemplative practice. Martin Luther King, you know, um, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, you know, these people, you know, who were game changers and who we look up to, right? That they use their practice and they recognize this is really healing me. But if I don't, you know, if I'm not embodying it, like Martha King, do you know how many people have said similar words to his? But he embodied it. Yeah. And that's why he was the leader he was, right? And so that's, that's what I'm interested in. It's like, can we please like remember who we are? Yeah. And, you know, we all have these values and we give lip service to these ideas, but, you know, we're not embodying it. We're not being the values of love and respect. And the love one always trips me up because we're literally hardwired to require it. Right. And, and we like, we miss, we miss how to actually be love in the world every day by operating inside the system and then pretending it doesn't work. I mean, pretending that it's pretending that it does work, right? Operating inside this broken system that's breaking us and then pretending like, oh, everything is all, no. We ain't loving nobody. That's not love. You know, how can you sit next to the person you're, you know, on the, on, on the bus or the subway, you know, comfortably, right? You know, when they are a, someone who's mentally ill, you know, and unwell, you can't because you, you recognize, ooh, you know what, like there's something in you that feels really uncomfortable because you, you know it's not right, right? And, and, and we do that all the time, you know? And so it's like this weird thing where it's like, oh, you know, I love my family, 
I love my friends, but I don't love you. Well, that's not really love though, right? And so these tools, in my view, these spiritual tools are literally the technology for how to be these things in the world. But we got to use them that way. I like how you call it technology. And I, when I was reading your blog post, I think you mentioned that in there. And I was like, yeah, now I like really, really understand um, using that as technology. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's beautiful. And it's, and let's give credit where credit is due because that's how technology is not a hundred years old. It's thousands of years right. old. Yeah. You know, and it was made by guess who? Brown people. Right. Uh, I mean, not that in all embodied practice is like, old. it, it doesn't all, it, I mean, I feel like, or not embodied, but contemplative practice. There's many contemplative traditions from all over the world, you know, and, but the ones that, you know, we're largely talking about are, you know, they're ancient, but there's so much wisdom in them, mm -hmm. right? And we often forget to acknowledge that, yes, actually this came from India, right? Or this came from China. This came from people who were of color, you know? Um, so it's, that's important too. Absolutely. And I think it's, I love what you're saying about the discomfort because you can't just like poof, say I'm, I'm anti-racist and then you're anti-racist. It's a constant challenging of the indoctrination that we've been breathing and drinking and eating and smelling our whole lives that's been put out to us. And sending out a little email that you want to take step, like that's cool. That's a start, but, but doing the work to be uncomfortable. And there's lots of times where I succeed and there's lots of times where I don't. And I, I do, as you're saying, it's like, I recognize this is, this is the very beginning of my activism in this way, you know, and this is nothing compared to nothing, like nothing, not even a speck of a speck compared to what people of color have been through and been trying to speak out and meeting the resistance and, and having people shut down. And I'm, I'm recognizing that my, the, the unsafety of it for me is not really unsafe at all. It's just people might unfollow me or, or think that I'm uh, full of myself or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was another lesson I learned from an early age from my father. You know, because of course, kids, especially in adolescence, you know, they're like belonging, belonging. I need to belong. I, I need my peers to love me. And I need to, you know, I, I got to do the right thing and say the right thing because that, that how our peers perceive us is so important. But I was always so afraid of like alienating my peers or, or, or like not being liked, you know, and my dad would say things like, you know, You'll always know a lot of people, Crystal, because that's just who you are, but you'll be lucky enough to get through life with one true friend, <laughs> you know? And like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that's true. I've had so many people come and go and you kind of see that. It's like, you know, the, the inner circle is inner for a reason, right? Like there aren't a lot of people usually inside of it. So yeah. I think when we, we kind of release this idea that like somehow we're going to be the best of friends with everybody or that it's a requirement to get through life is to like be liked, it's not a requirement, right? Like if you release that, you know, because I'd rather be respected than liked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you don't like me, that's okay. <laughs> I don't need you to like me. Like, what does that do for me? You know, but you know, I, because and if, I, if you don't like me because I make you uncomfortable because I'm, my, what I'm saying is, is truthful, 
Mm -hmm. right? If the truth of my words or my experience makes you uncomfortable and you don't like me for it, well, keep it moving. You know, rejection is protection. <laughs> like re rejection is protection. Like, so, you know, but th that said, you know, I do think that we do as human beings, we know the truth when yeah. we hear it, right? And so again, like the truth, even if it's uncomfortable, it resonates. And, and, and that's what is most important, right? Like, is like, am I speaking my truth? Am I speaking what's true and compassionate and right or, or, or best for all, right? If you're doing that and you lose those followers or, right. you know, those people who you thought were your friends, like, it's like, they weren't really your friends in the first place. So, well, there you go. Yeah. Now it's even clearer. It's, it's better, you know? It's better. <laughs> yeah. In my view. I, I totally agree. And you're so, I, I love everything about everything that you're saying and the way that you say it. Um, and, you know, I find myself being like, is she saying you to me or you to white people? And I'm like, it's all the same. Like, if I'm feeling a little defensive right now because I didn't speak up enough, at my, like, I deserve to feel defensive and I need to sit with that. I love it. I love everything you're saying and how you're speaking up and, um, and you're so wise and, and, and the way you are bringing the spiritual practice into everyday life, that's un, in this beautifully unapologetic way is just so like, so needed and so uh, revitalizing. Um, can you tell me about what work you do? It, it looks like the retreats you do are for people of color. Um, um, I do, I do a lot of retreats. I mean, well, not lately. Yeah, you know, I do, um, I do all kinds of retreats, you know, some are, and they'll always say, hey, this is for, you know, black indigenous people of color, or this is for women of color, you know, um, but you know, like my Costa Rica retreat, the, the one that I'd be leaving on in two days, <laughs> um, it's for everybody, right? So, um, and the reason I do retreats um, for that center, right, the experiences of black women or, or women of color or, you know, black indigenous people of color is because, you know, when we, because of the reasons we've already talked about, when we often go into these healing spaces, um, often the presence of, of non-black people, right, has, has caused harm. Yeah. And, and we do need spaces, right? We need affinity spaces where we can actually go feel like we can actually heal. It's hard to heal if you're being re-hurt all over again, right? Re-harmed. Um, so, you know, we do need spaces where we feel safe to speak our truths and not have to explain our experience to someone who's, you know, not a person of color and doesn't understand. Like that heavy lift is what we want to relieve you know, re relieve them of the burden of when we do those. And I usually, you know, facilitate, like I have one that I do every year with my friend Marla Teolia. Um, and, you know, that's really important to us. You know, having the presence of a, of a white person, even if they're well-meaning and they, they haven't even said anything, right? It, it, it has an impact often sure. for people of color yeah. of like, oh, I can't, I can't be my whole fullest self, again, because of that, the way that racism breaks us right? We're afraid to use our voice, you know, in an authentic way, for an example, we might be, um, if when we've done it in the, in the presence of white people in the past and been 
you know, had our, had our, what we said edited or told what it was not correct or mm -hmm. that we didn't have a right to feel that or whatever it was like. So, so creating spaces for us to feel safe, um, to heal, right? Right. Cause we can't heal if we don't feel safe, right? Yeah. If, our, if our fight flight mode is, you know, is kicked in and, and activated, it's very hard you know, then our, then our rest and digest mode is not, not on. Right? right. And that's where all the healing and the optimal health is, is, is that's, that's when it's, it's happening when we feel safe. I so. think it's important for white people to recognize that too. I, I'm part of a neighborhood anti-racism book group. Uh, we're reading um, how to be an anti-racist and that we started like a year ago. And when we first started, there were, it was diverse. Mm -hmm. um, and we were like making our rules and we were like, we're going to make it a safe space. And, one of the black women spoke up and she's like, I don't ever feel safe unless I'm only around other black people. Mm. And that stuck with me so much. And I don't know if, I think white people tend to get very offended by like, oh, you're doing that just for people of color. Or, oh, you're just doing that for women or whatever. And not recognizing how important and necessary that is. And it's absolutely, it's the opposite of racist. Like it's, right. you know, people just don't, sometimes miss that whole point, but that stuck with me. Like I can say, this is a safe space for you, but like, I don't have the right to say that. I don't have the, I can think I have the right to say that. And I'm, that's me telling that person that they should feel safe around me, but that's yeah, very but, clearly but, not true, you know? Right. Well, and also, you know, here's, here's where the work of the white ally is again, right? Like if you are saying that this is a safe space, for people of color you have to do the work and take action to ensure that it is yeah i've been in a lot of white spaces where i feel safe not every white space i'm in is a space that i feel unsafe but skillful facilitators skillful educators right mm -hmm. skillful spiritual leaders or practitioners will have those explicit conversations about how we need to show up in this space for one another, what is going to be accepted, what's not. And, and it should be a co-generative conversation, right? Because we don't know what makes one person feel unsafe versus another, right? So all the voices in the room should always be a part of co-creating co that safe space or that brave space is what, you know, I prefer to call it because it's impossible. But it's impossible to guarantee, right, that every single person feels safe all the time because you just don't know yeah. what you don't know about everybody's experience. You know, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. So the, my, the goal is, can you show up in this space? And if you feel uncomfortable, is it going to, can we create it, create a safe enough space where you feel courageous enough to share your truth about what has ha just happened to make you feel unsafe? Now, you know, if you're a white facilitator and you're trying to do that, you got to know what you're doing, right? And most educators or, 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 you know, white yoga, whatever, whatever. I mean, we're talking about the yoga studio here, but like, you know, most are not doing that, right? Yeah. They're not actually having the conversation and saying, what do you need to feel brave? What do we need? How do we need to show up for you and in this space for one another so that everyone feels brave? Right. And, and you'll be surprised at what people say, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's like really obvious, like we just need to be kind to each other or, you know, and other times it's like, you know, I need to know that if someone says something that causes harm, that they're going to actively repair it. They're going to do the work of repairing, right? Yeah. Like, hello, that's how we hold each other accountable because it's not, it's not, it's not, it's hard to be in community. It's hard. 
even if you're in a community with everybody that you know and love and that they seem to like, you know, a relationship is a community, a community between two people. Relationships are hard, right? So, you know, we have to um, be, be willing to have the, 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 do the repair, right? Do the acknowledgement and the repair and, and make the requests for what we need. And so you can, right? That, that's where, again, that's, that's a charge to, you know, white spiritual people, you know, who are aiming to create brave spaces where some of these things can come up for, for people of color and, and, and whites who are in a, co in a community together. That's, what, that's one of the things that you can learn to do. You know, how do I support all the views and experiences of this room feeling like they belong here? Mm -hmm. How do I make a space where everyone knows that they belong? How do I, what, whose experiences do I need to center and take from the margins and, and put them in the center? Who's do I need to like, mm, maybe, maybe they need to talk less. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe I need to like, you know, encourage some of the voices that are always heard to not be heard as much to center the other voices, right? These are things that we could, you can do. Um, and, and it's also important for people of color to have their own spaces too. Because again, most, most of the spaces that we're maneuvering in, whether it's work, school, you know, are not, that's not that that skillful facilitation of, of creating a brave space is not happening right right um we're at the end of our time and i i want to keep talking to you forever and ever and ever it's already been like an hour it's really keep talking to me i would but what i want to find like, out um you're no you're i'm just like spellbound and like captivated by everything that you're saying and i'm like you just make it sound so easy it's like why of course it's like shut up so what if it's uncomfortable like and you didn't say shut up you weren't being rude but like like <laughs> like yeah so what like deal with it you know and i'm like hey it's uncomfortable and like come and i'll help you and it's just like no just be uncomfortable face that that's your tool that's you know it's the um that's it, right uh, that's what expands our consciousness is is, is right. discomfort and people shy away from that so much and and, and you right. just and you miss the opportunity to grow, right? That's it. It's like, do you want to just live a small half-life or do you want to grow and live a fully expressed life, right? That's, that's what you're missing out. And that's that. Do it for, even if it's just for you, just like be, you know, like let's all just be our biggest, most fullest, most expressed versions of ourselves. Like, why not? And yeah, so yeah. And thank you for, for, for the time and um, for, you know, like, leaning into a conversation that might have brought up some, you know, unpleasantness mm -hmm. and, and, and holding it. Right. And, and I, you know, again, like I, I hope that this conversation is the kind of conversation that people like hear and then they, there's, there's something that they get that helps them shift right to, again, to, to dismantle mm -hmm. these systems and this is a social construct of race. That's the hope. That's the goal, right? It's like we can sit here and talk forever, but like if we're not using this conversation yeah. as a catalyst for change, then what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I I think I was so I just I just did finish uh, how to be an anti-racist, and he says you're not an activist unless you're making policy. Like educating people has been shown to not help. I agree with him. I hear what he's saying. And I also do think that education has to be a part of it because you're not, if, if, if someone hears this and it's like, oh my God, 
and then they go vote differently or they go pay more attention to things differently or talk to people differently. I think there's different levels of being in the world in a better way and being in the world in a more conscious, conscious way, expanded way to allow for the expansion of other people. Um, and so I, I think that conversation, it doesn't end with this at all, but this is a beginning hopefully for, for some people or a, a second Absolutely. step or a fifth step to, to then go out into the world and like, speak up at your damn yoga studio if there's a ridiculous sign and don't be scared to like learn from my hesitance and my ridiculousness to, to then just speak up. You know, I mean, I, I've definitely spoken up in my fair share of times like, <laughs> for whatever, but there's been times where I haven't and, and just, just do it. Yeah. All and you're doing is, I, I love, what did you say? Every time you step into your discomfort, I've, I've been taking notes. Every time you step into your discomfort, you're creating space and breath for someone else to feel comfort. Do you know who said that? Can I quote you or is that someone else? I, I just, I mean, I definitely didn't say it exactly the way that I heard it. Like I did, that's not a direct quote, but it's, it's a sentiment that I think yeah. a lot of facilitators around this kind of work have to remind people of. Like, you okay. know, particularly white people who, the privilege that you have is to, you know, like there's, there's this, you know, notion of like comfort, like you have a right to it, but nobody else gets that right. 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 So, you know, it is something, I don't know who said it originally. Like, I wish I did, but like, it's definitely something that, you know, it just makes sense. Right. Like, it's like, it's just a, a truism. Yeah. I would say at that point. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry. I don't have like an exact name. No, it's fine. I just want to make sure I'm attributing it. I'm going to attribute it to you. And <laughs> People listening will know that we did our best. Um, <laughs> so here's this: How do people find you? I know you're 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 starting a four week training program. It's for people of color, from what I understand, but white people can donate to it. You're 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 oh, yeah. running yeah, a sequence yeah. of yoga well, teachers. Yeah, I I am doing a week uh, a workshop on Sunday with Liberated Moves. Um, and it is, we're donating the proceeds, um, to some of the many different, um, social justice, um, we have a, a different one for each class, but there's a number of organizations that the proceeds for that are going to go to, um, as well as the facilitators themselves. Um, you know, I have a bunch of online courses that are going to be up soon. Um, I do have a YouTube channel, um, that I created during the pandemic. I started it so that just as a free resource for people who, you know, might be new to yoga or who are just like, who are like quarantined with their kids for the first time and like for first, you know, a long time and they just need tools to help discharge the stress of that. And, um, you know, but I had a lot of my friends and their, you know, my friends' families and, and, and the students I work with and their families and their parents and minds. Um, uh, I feel like I have a lot of events coming up that are like online, which I'll post about. You can follow me on Instagram. Um, C McCreary Yoga is my my handle. Um, but you know, I do work full time at a school, so um, a lot of the extracurricular programming that I had um, has again been canceled. The live stuff. So um, those are those are a start for sure. Um, I you know, and I do I lead trainings that again were supposed to be live that'll you'll see if you follow me you'll see <laughs> you can also subscribe to my newsletter i always share those things in my newsletter as well at crystalmcfairyyoga.com okay i'll put all those in the in the show notes okay. um, yeah so all of you can start to follow her i just like everything you say i'm just like yes <laughs> that's a truism like that is just the 
yes, you know, agree, agree with all of it. Um, all right, so we'll put all that on there. Liberated moves. Um, white people can, this is a space to help black people heal. So we're not, white people aren't registering for this, but white people yeah. can donate yeah. to support the teachers and to support the organizations that you're donating to. Yeah, a few people have reached out, like a lot of us as facilitators of um, healing modalities have reached out to uh, those of us of color and said, how can we help? How can we support? Um, so this was like one offering that, that was created to help funnel some of that, that um, philanthropic spirit, that, that spirit of like, let's support our, you know, people of color, brothers and sisters to heal. So it's just one of many. And um, thank you for mentioning it because it would, it would, it is a big help. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. And, and it, it, like that, that can be ongoing donations. Like it doesn't have to be within the week or anything like that. I'm assuming. Yep. That's right. Um, That's great. And okay. So we know how to find you all your programs. Um, thank you again, a million times over. Can you leave us with one message, one message for people listening? My audience tends to be more white, so it can be towards white people. It can be towards everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I definitely feel like my purpose in the work that I do, whether it's in a school setting, whether it's on a retreat, mm -hmm. whether it's in a training, whether it's, um, you know, in a nonprofit or a, a, a corporate corporation, you know, my work, this work is about remembering who we are, right? Living in this world, right? It, it, it takes away our capacity to remember that we are, we are love, right? I'm not gonna say we, we're light. That's what I'm saying, we're love and light. Like, but we are love. Like we are, we, are, we are beings of love. And there's so much that prevents us from being that. And, and it's time to remember. This work, this dis dismantling of racism, this dismantling of all the inequitable systemic forms of oppression that there are, because there are many. So many yeah. It's time to, to it's time to get to, to to eradicate them, so we can all be who we actually are. It's time. It's time to get free. Mm -hmm. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up and get free. So that's that's my final message. All right. <laughs> That's it. I won't even speak. Thank you. Thank you. you are Thank amazing. You. Thank you so much. Have Bye. a great uh, night. Thank you. Thank you. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Conscious Anti-Racism. Please be sure to follow or like us wherever you find your podcasts and also consider leaving a rating or review. You can follow Conscious Anti-Racism on Instagram and Twitter at Jill Wiener, MD, J-I-L-L-W-E-N-E-R-M-D. And please check out our Conscious Anti-Racism book on Amazon.